Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Coming up now, we've got the Football Association of Singapore's oh. General oh. Secretary, Yazin Buhari, who I'm very, very keen to talk to. Glenn? Good morning. Morning. How are you today, Yazin? It's Glenn and Neil uh, at Money FM. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Thanks for having me on this Saturday morning. Uh, hey, oh. G- uh, Yazin, let me just say, we're happy to just have you. Because the, the tech issues we've been having this morning. I know. So, I know. It, could have, it could have been a nightmare, isn't it? Oh, uh, look, we're glad to have you on. Just to set it up, you are the yeah. General Secretary of the Football Association of Singapore. We're talking to Yazin Buhari. We want to talk about the new national project called Unleash mm. the Raw, which was announced about a week or so ago, which, generally speaking, Yazin, is to grow local football in Singapore. We know we have the long-term goal or ambition of qualifying, the Singapore Lions qualifying Mm -hmm. for the 2034 World Cup. We'll get to that shortly. But first, Yazin, set it up for us. Unleash the Raw, a new national project. What is it about? Well, I think if if we go back to right at the start, when before we started talking about projects like this, we acknowledged that the football here deserves something big, deserves a project, uh, a, a united front of a project. Um, we wanted to, to, to have a fundamental reimagination process where the key is to have sustainable successes. And that's how it started off is not necessarily about the destination, whether we qualify. Uh, that is, of course, a, a aspirational outcome. But the key objective is to be able to uplift the terraces mm. of, uh, at all levels of football here in the ecosystem. Fantastic. Talking to Yazin Buhari, the General Secretary of the Football Association of Singapore, about the new project called Unleash the Roar. Uh, Yazin, uh, 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 How do we do this in a country where the market is relatively small, uh, where we don't really have the the intense feeder system uh, from the schools? Now, there is, you know, there are under 15 leagues and and different types of leagues that are trying to push that forward. Uh, How how do we unleash the roar in Singapore when our ecosystem is still – uh, still needs a lot of work, especially compared to other countries. Thailand, for example, uh, last week we were just talking about their their uh, play there. So h- how are we planning to do this? You know, on the contrary, we have countries like China mm. or India, for, for, for example, that has a big population and yet they struggle mm. uh, in order to achieve uh, football excellence. And then we have countries like Uruguay, uh, relatively small, very comparable to Singapore, and they do achieve. So I think the size do, well, it may play a part, uh, but there are opportunities to be able to galvanize that whole country. You, you talked about the ecosystem, and that's exactly the pillars we set up for to address those. Mm. The ecosystem at the very young age, as well as the elite stage. And the Singapore Premier League plays a key part in this as well, because uh, the league exists for a national team, and yeah. we want to be able to have a league at a mature state where it's competitive enough uh, for the players to be able to develop themselves I- and 
and be able to play the game at the highest level. Yazin, uh, thank you for, for putting that perspective and talking about the pillars. You know, one thing that, that Neil and I have seen over and over again, we've talked about sport as a profession in Singapore. And, for example, in primary school up to about P5, everyone's encouraged, get out, play sport, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, once P6 comes along and PSLEs and everything else, then mm. parents start to get really serious about their kids' futures and, and, and you know, sometimes take them out of sports or definitely have them downplay how much time they play in those sports. This this has to come from parents as well, does it not? Parents have to really get in there and in addition to sponsors and government and everybody, we've all got to support our athletes at whatever stage they're at. Do, do we not? Of course, absolutely. Before uh, we did the official launch in the, in the series of engagements that we have, the first group that we engaged were the parents. Mm, um, great. Because parents play a key part on what their kids are going to be exposed to. Uh, and obviously in a country like Singapore, and we have seen that in other sports where academics and sporting excellence can go hand in hand and you don't need to compromise one over the other. Mm. So parents are important, especially at that age, You the exposure that's given to kids at that age. And then for parents to be able to know and acknowledge that there is a place or it's a system of monitoring, mm. uh, a, a quality program that's in place for the kids to be able to develop themselves, not just on the on the field, but off the field as well. And I think that's what we are trying to get at. Yazin, well, I've, read, I've read the details of this uh, project, and I like the fact that, to use an analogy and make it a football one, it doesn't take two hands to clap with football. It takes many hands to clap in a stadium. <laughs> and in this case, you need those many hands. I like the fact that you're taking a multi-agency approach to this. You've got mm. the Ministry of Education involved, I believe. You've got the Ministry of Defence involved, MINDEV. Very, very important because there's two things here. Well, there's many things, but the two key things, Yazine. How do we balance education and training? That's one. Two, the bugbear, the elephant in the room, is national service. Now, reading the comment, reading the the pillars that you have planned, it does seem like finally you're all round the table together, working together, national service, education, trying to produce a pathway for young footballers. Is that fair? You know, if I if I go back to past projects, the FAS. Uh, had in the last 10, 15 years. More often than not, it's a project solely led by the FAS. And football is a sport which has all the qualities to galvanize the nation. I think it needs the support of everyone, all stakeholders. And we do have a pillar that says whole of society, and that's exactly that, because everyone from the other ministries to the to corporate Singapore need to play a part. Yeah. If we were to say that Football can exist together with what academics or together with the academics achievements that kids have to achieve. I think that's possible in the sense that there is a multi-stakeholder approach to this project. Mm. We, we are very clear. We acknowledge the different objectives that each of these stakeholders have, and we need to be able to work around that. National service is a duty that we cannot compromise and we've been grateful to be to be to have some of our athletes receive all the support so far. And how do we now find a way around the existing privileges in order to to enhance the impacts of those privileges that's been given to our athletes? Mm. Yeah, that that makes absolutely perfect sense. But there are there's another aspect here, Yazine, that I'm fascinated by, which is your plans to develop a national football curriculum. 
uh, at school level, I believe, uh, you know, t- uh, young child level, which I think is so important. Other countries have it. We know this. Belgium had it. Mm. Uh, the Netherlands had it. But in Singapore, one thing we're good at in Singapore, we're good at setting up tuition agencies and we're very good at setting up football <laughs> academies if we think there's a dollar to be made. There are many, many, many football academies in Singapore. Some are private. Some come under the banner of Active SG. Some are very, very good, and so on and so on. What is the plan, Yazin, to try to get all of these academies, private and public, under one umbrella and supporting one general national football curriculum? I'm very curious to know, is it even achievable? Well, I think coming up with the curriculum is the easiest step, Mm. Uh, especially for a curriculum at the very young age. I don't think that differs much from academies to academies. Yep. Uh, and the FAS have had a curriculum for the longest years. And the problem we do have, uh, as you rightfully mentioned, is how do we get people to adopt it, to embrace it? And I think that, that's the key part. In, in this Unleash the Raw, uh, a key stakeholder is the Ministry of Education. And the mm. reason why we have that is because schools play a big part. Uh, kids spend most of the time in school or half of their lives, uh, in, of, their, of their childhood lives in school. And for us to be able to get the schools to adopt, and MOE has been quite supportive in wanting to have this curriculum adopted at the school, the first thing we did is to engage with the local coaches uh, in order to get them to be in tune as to the objectives of why the curriculum is at the way that it has been, uh, it has been done up by the technical director. And I think as you move up the move up the pyramid, and that's where the style of play kind of uh, differs from country to country. You take into account uh, mm. the physicality of the people that we have, uh, the strengths of our local boys that we have, the strengths of certain countries in Southeast Asia differs from the strength that we have in Singapore, and likewise in different continents as well. So I think the key part is to be able to have kids or coaches at that base of the pyramid to be able to adopt the program, which is, like, as I mentioned, it doesn't differ as much. And then slowly, when, as you go up the pyramid, to be able to uh, uh, kind of address it in a way that's suitable to the players that we have. Yazin Buhari, the General Secretary of the Football Association of Singapore, is our guest. We're talking about a new national project called Unleash the Roar. Uh, This is to get Singapore ready to field a national team to qualify for the 2034 FIFA World Cup. Yazin, what has been the most surprising response that you have gotten, whether it's been from your government partners or from the parents or the coaches, has there been anything unexpected that has come back to you as you have been talking to various stakeholder groups about the, you know, the wanting to get a team ready for 2034? We, we spoke to parents and kids uh, in one of the engagement sessions. And one of the things that, that I was pleasantly surprised is when we asked every kid in that room, what is it that you want to do? And all of them said, I would like to wear the national jersey. And I think that was important because there is a desire, there's an interest. And you would have read that ever since we launched uh, Unleash the Raw, there has been skeptics, uh, there's been critics, there's a lot of noise. And we realized that people are interested because mm. I would rather have this noise than for people not to have, uh, not to be talking about it. And hence, I was quite happy to come on board here because I know Neil... Neil is a football fan himself. I, mm. 
love reading all these articles before and uh, some can be controversial, but that's what we need. We need people to be talking about it because that shows there's an interest in football and football has what it takes to galvanise the nation. That's such a key point you make there, Yazine, because there's nothing, there's not, the, the fastest way to kill anything is apathy. And I do get frustrated when people have said in the past, oh, you, you, you've written something controversial. Firstly, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I only write what I see. And secondly, there's this perception that folks in the media, folks on social media, just want to be armchair critics and, and tech on everything. The truth is, and I've always said this, the, the biggest response I ever got to any column I ever wrote was a column I wrote about Joseph Schooling winning the gold medal, which I wrote in 20 minutes and got more response than <laughs> any column I've ever written before yeah. or since. So this idea that, you know, we want to be controversial or negative, we actually don't. We all want a team winning. It's mm. better for you. It's better for me. It's better for Glenn. You know, if we're sitting here talking about a Singapore qualifying for the World Cup, our listener figures go through the roof. I mean, that's just that's just common sense. So, but I also have to sort of set that up and say that I was here the first time when we was trying to qualify for goal 2010. I, I wrote columns about it. We had Jan Paulson involved then. It was a big national project to try to qualify for the World Cup in 2010. We know it didn't quite work out. So, Yazin, what would be the difference or the differences between that national project for 2010 and this one for 2034? I think the key difference is this is a focus on Singaporeans. This is a project that would allow our kids of today to dream. And it's not just purely of a objective like a World Cup. Of course, as I mentioned before, it's an aspirational target. But the key focus in this is at all levels of the game, including the women's game. Mm. If we get that right in the next five to seven years, the outcome of that will be qualification for key competitions like the World Cup in 2034 for the men's or for, for the women in 2035 mm. or for, for, for Asian Cup in men. Because uh, we've mentioned in order to get there, we need to be able to achieve certain things along the way, like the Sea Games and the Suzuki Cup right, or right. qualification for Asian Cup as well. I think that's the key difference. It is about young Singaporeans. It is about fueling the dreams of Singaporeans and to be able to give them a platform to dream. And that's what the kids deserve. And just on that point about the women's game, because in the last decade or so, the women's game globally has exploded. You know, we all remember the world, the famous American World Cup in the 90s, Mia Hamm taking off the top and all that. Yeah. But it, it's always been a big game in, Amer- in America, uh, women's soccer, and parts of South America where I've seen it uh, in action. But only in the last decade or so would I say the women's game has really taken off in Europe, in countries like England, and I'd love to see that in Singapore as well. I mean, are there plans for that? Absolutely. I think over the last three, three years or so, the, the FAS have invested a fair bit in women's football. Perhaps not at a level that we would like to, but it's a lot more for investment as compared to three, four years ago. And globally, as you rightfully mentioned, there's an emphasis on women's football uh, in other countries and even coming from FIFA as well. And we see that as a big opportunity here. And one of the key things that we're trying to do is the Singapore Premier League clubs will at one point very soon have to have women's team in the club as part of the license to play in the Premier League. And I think that's important because you raise the the, the women's game here 
and that's how and unleash the raw. Well, it is people are talking about twenty thirty four. Actually, it is meant for both genders. Great, yeah. Isin, last question, and then we got to go. Sure. Uh, what what is the what is the first step or the next step that should that needs to be taken? Let's say in the next six months, nine months, year. What do we do first to get this going? We're working on a couple of pilots. Uh, as I mentioned, schools play a big part in this project as well. Uh, quite heartened that some schools have come forward wanting to be part of this pilot in order to be able to put a curriculum there, upskill the current coaches that we have, mm. and perhaps bring in coaches who can further develop. And I think that's the first thing. And the second one is the fact that this is a life project. And as part of that, we will be constantly having uh, engagement sessions because we need to understand, we want to be transparent of where we are. We want to be able to tell people what is it that we have achieved and what the next steps are. So engagements and schools are the first key things that we want to get off the road in the next six months. Well, yeah, then just briefly, goal 2034, I've just realised I'll be 60. That means I'd have been 40 <laughs> years by then almost as a football writer. I cannot think of a better retirement gift than covering the Lions at my last World Cup in 2034. So don't do it for Singapore. Do it for me, oh. Yazzie. <laughs> Jeez. I'm so sorry. I'm just going to go ahead and apologise on Neil's behalf for that comment. No, I, but I think it'd be great. I think it'd be, it's, a great, it's a great campaign that I do genuinely think you know, Singaporeans will get behind. It's a it's a big goal. It's a big dream, but it's one that if we I think focus the right energy on it, it it could happen. Yazim Buhari, General Secretary of the Football Association of Singapore. Thanks for being with us this morning on Money FM Weekend Mornings. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.